You are listening to the weekly Great Governance podcast hosted by Dr. Harlan. So why do we do what we do? We are on a mission to find and voice the hidden stories of excellence in local government so that others are motivated to lead and transform communities. We share information and profile local government practitioners and active citizens who are ethically leading change and innovation in communities and showcase this on our various digital media platforms. Welcome to today's podcast, and we are in conversation today with Jackie Sampson. And Jackie has a long and illustrious career in public service uh, in South Africa. So, welcome onto our platform, Jackie. Thank you, Harlan, um, for inviting me to have this conversation and share my experiences in public service and local government specifically. I want to focus on the on the latter part. You know, local government. Tell us about your journey into local government? Was it smooth sailing or how did you land up at local government? Harlan, the journey or the entry into local government was unexpected for me. It was an opportunity presented at a local municipality that combined my some 28 years of experience in both urban planning, town planning, development and human settlements. And there was an opportunity, a vacancy, a post, which included all three of those portfolios. So that is development, economic development, town planning, and human settlements. And I thought with my 28 years experience, this position is suitable for me. And that was the first opportunity that I saw um, where I became interested in entering local government space, a municipal space. And I pursued that opportunity and I was successful in, in landing that opportunity. Okay, so was it smooth sailing? I, I know you were outside of local government. You've got the theories and the province is a bit different from the, from the local. What was different for you? The first thing I must say is the direct interaction with council. When I was at province, you had one political principle, the MEC of your particular department and you deal with other cabinet members and uh, you have your oversight committees or your standing committees for specific portfolios and in my case human settlements. So that is the interaction but it's not as direct or close like you would experience in local government. And then of course I would think the biggest adjustment is that interface at, and the coal face for the communities on the ground. So that is the biggest difference I experience moving from provincial government to local government. Mm. And, and if you would do it all over again, which one would you think uh, considered to be more dynamic, local government or, or province? Local government is definitely more dynamic. I think it's, you can see the impact on the ground more realistically. And because provincial government is more, I would say, oversight and policy provision, there is, I think, a greater reward in if you work in public service, if you engage directly with your communities and you see the impact of your resource allocation, your decision making, your interaction especially. So for me, it's definitely more rewarding mm. in local government at the municipal space. Okay, so, so many would argue, no, and the evidence shows that the local government is, is still very much male-dominated in terms of senior leadership. 
what what were some of the challenges that that you faced or had to overcome as a as a woman in a senior position in local government you are correct in saying that the senior management or leadership on an administrative point is more dom- male dominated in the local government however i i don't feel that women are prevented from those opportunities i do think it is a cultural adjustment and again it can be localized where certain municipalities the cultures are different so my experience is that definitely male dominated and that women have a place but it's not an enabling environment for women to easily adjust to and thrive in because of often the cultural issues associated with a male dominated environment so are you are you saying you know if you talk about culture is the second time you mentioned culture it's like a boys club is that is that women are made to feel not necessarily welcome in that space they are very <laughs> critical or there's certain um stereotypical expectations of women so if women are demonstrate a level of dominance or an extrovert or assertive they would say oh this is a strong woman mm-hmm. but if men display those characters it's accepted men must be stronger and outspoken and louder and dominate a conversation but women when they do dominate a conversation they are labeled as being a strong and dominant women mm. but but that could be an individual's character mm. and dominance doesn't necessarily is not linked to being loud or outspoken you can also be influential in um, and, and quietly go about your business as a female but there are certain expectations of women of being subservient of being more caring than male which means that males shouldn't be as empathetic and it's okay if they're not empathetic or compassionate because it is seen as a more female dominated trait so so that is the type of cultural issues and in a an environment we are worked which is um, property development that is without a doubt property construction industry without a doubt the built environment sector is clearly still after I'm working for three decades in this environment is still male dominated mm. so so you touch a lot about the cultural aspect do you think that men are aware of the of the behavior or is it is the question of the default setting uh, within the workspace you know sometimes uh, i'm not aware that's my view Mm. and you almost it's it's part of your almost upbringing i would say and it's part of your own life journey so it's acceptable they accept each other's behavior as men um they make comment about they will comment on women dress code but they won't comment on men dress code um there would be comment about you know i'm just saying this flippantly when women take bathroom breaks oh no it's a female they need to go to the bathroom often mm. i mean that was 
At most senior levels, such comments are made in council meetings. So, and then others laugh about it. And then um, I, I think that the male accepted, accepted, they don't call each other out, whereas it's a, almost a women's responsibility to call the men out when they act in that manner, often derogatory. Mm. And, and, and maybe women, some women accept it. For me, it's unacceptable. For me, if you're professional, you have to act in a certain manner. You have to address each other in a certain manner, in a professional manner. And you have to interact and relate to each other in a professional manner because in the boardroom, everybody should be neutral. Mm. But it's definitely not my experience um, in local government. So, so if you look at the competencies, we, we talked about the cultural aspects and, and the role that men play in the workplace. But what do you consider the key competencies for specifically women that is different for men that they should have in the workplace to survive almost this jungle? Firstly, you have to have the qualification for that position um, that you're occupying or the portfolio that you must serve. You have to have the technical expertise and the experience. But we must also create that enabling environment for our colleagues, male or female, older, young, new people that come into the organization or people that are new to employment, so the youngsters that come into employment, but there are people that come from other organizations that enter your municipal workspace. So you must create that enabling environment that people can adapt and adjust because it's not just your technical expertise or your years of experience that counts. How do you adjust to the culture of that organization? I know I talk about culture a lot, but... You can be the wisest and most decorated person in terms of academic achievements, but if you don't fit into a specific work environment, all that mm. you can you can falter on your on your role. You can fault on your role if you're not able to adjust to that working environment. So, so I always look at how can I create that enabling environment for people to come in. You have to mentor them, you assist them, you guide them, you you interact with them in such a manner that they, so communication is key, so that they understand what their role is and their function and how they fit into the ecosystem of that organization because you can't work in isolation. And then we all have to adjust and adapt to personalities and processes and priorities and urgent matters. So so I I feel it's important as a female and a female in a leadership position that I created that enabling environment. So when there's a new appointee, whether it's an in-house promotion or somebody coming from outside, I talk to the team that that new person is going to lead or work with and say, please support, assist, guide as far as possible. You are one team. You're all here to assist each other um, to perform your function at the end of the day. So I would like to see that the role of females and myself, I adopted the role of how do you embrace people and make them feel welcome 
while still performing mm. their function and assisting them in that in that manner. You know, the almost default setting is, is that is that you send people for training. But what I'm hearing from you that there's a strong element of coaching and mentoring that should take place in the workplace. Would that be correct? Yes, that that interpersonal relationship is important. Like I said, you can have the training that is important that you you can't disregard the significance of that. However, once you have that training, how do you implement it? And when you implement it, it's again not in a silo, it's within a system where you interact with other business units or line functions and then how do you pull that together? So I would like to encourage people that whether you don't have to be in a leadership position in any position. How do you make that transition for a newcomer in an environment or in an organization? How do you assist them and enable them through mentoring and coaching or just supporting them and, and advising them and providing them with the necessary information and tools Mm. So that they can actually thrive, bring in their experience and expertise to thrive in that environment. Because it's one thing to have all the credentials on paper, but how do you then bring that in to not only advance the organization, because you also have a role to play to promote and advance the organization through your function, but also how do you learn and grow mm. both professionally and, and in a certain manner also personally so that you can then interact and you can then adjust and adapt to that new working environment. So so it's, it's important that, that women, I think women are a bit more empathetic in that. Mm, but you also have, you know, there's also the, the opposite is also true. There's a quote that said there's a special place in hell for women who bully other women in the workplace. Somebody once told me about this manager is that if you want to get an idea through, you must, you must sell it over at least a three-week period sell it subtly so that she thinks that it is her idea. If it is not her idea, that idea is not going to fly. And so her default setting was bullying. Is that common in local government? Um, I do think that people do have that in their personality traits to bully, whether it's male or female. And females in particular can be hard and harsh on each other. Sometimes nasty? Yes, it can be nasty, and then, and that is also maybe that is our defense mechanism that we retaliating and reacting to a certain behavior that was that we experienced, and maybe certain women went through a process difficult and working environments and and feel okay. Let the next person also experience that and maybe they come out tougher. But I, I don't think that that's an appropriate, first of all, and effective manner to promote and advance women. I believe that, and I believe in the Sestura, I believe in supporting women. I understand I come from a background where in my first year of marriage and having a child, I was also a shareholder in an organization, in a private company. So I couldn't, I, you take your maternity leave, but you have to go back. And I was also responsible for marketing in the organization. So I went in and I worked. And at a certain point, I became very 
almost critical of women. Why do you feel you have to separate your role as a mother um, from your role as a professional person or an employed woman? And because I, I can, almost you compartmentalize, but you can also integrate your different roles. So initially, I must admit, early in my career, I was a bit critical of women. But it's also in the absence of understanding their personal circumstances. Mm. So I do make an effort. You don't get, you don't become friends or housemates or too personal, but you must have an understanding of people's backgrounds. What are they, I mean, if they have small children. So I do think that for me, it's important to have that caring role and that you must understand a bit of the people's circumstances to also provide that support and a manner of care um, in your working environment. So, yes, there is a, definitely a special place in hell for, for women who are not supportive of other women. And because we, we are supposed to be understanding and empathetic towards mm. their role and their position. So, I would encourage any woman to, you know, straighten another, another woman's crown. Mm. And instead of knocking a crown off her head and, and promoting them, I'm now, maybe I'm deviating a bit from the conversation in private practice. I have my own business. And I am promoting and supporting other women. That also, whether it's a side hustle or whether it's a prime source of income, to assist women in promoting their small business or their startup business or their enterprises. And it's fantastic how we, how we rally around each other and how we encourage each other and, and create opportunities for each other. So whether it's in private business, public service, big organization, small organization, women can definitely play a very strong role mm. in supporting each other. In closing, as this conversation comes to a close, what should be done then? to affirm women in the workplace then more? Women, we mustn't accept this criticism and jokes about women. And, and we must, we must um, call men out that do that. And also remind people that in a professional environment where everybody has experience and expertise that's required to perform their tasks, that we should have an equal space around the boardroom table or in the workplace. And although men think they must protect women when we go out into communities, um, when we're driving out, and um, that is often also the realities in South Africa, we as women, we have a better way of interacting with communities. That's my belief. Um, it is a personal trait that you should have and a certain personality characteristic to interact with communities or people at any level, whether it's a professional person, a business person, community, um, an auntie in the street. I think that it's up to us as women now. We can't wait for the men to do it. It's the same. We have to stand up against gender-based violence. The men are not standing up against it, but they're the perpetrators. 
So we have to stand up against men that are, whether they're aware of it or not, that they are sexist in the work environment. And I experience more sexism than racism. So we have to defend each other. We have to call out men. We have to talk about these utterances and cliched behavior towards women and expectations of women. And, and it's up to us as females to take our place in the work environment. Would that practically mean forming little forums, for example, in the workplace as support groups or should you encourage women to form support groups? I won't advocate for that, Harlan, because support groups, again, you almost isolate yourself. You elevate mm. the, the aspect of the issue, but you almost, you're isolating yourself. I think you almost, you have to infiltrate an environment and you have to make changes from within. So you have to be part of a group, not to have a separate forum where you discuss it and then you try to go back and implement it. It must be an active, concerted effort made um, within the workplace. And I do think that maybe you won't be able to have a general adjustment of men's behavior in South Africa as an example, but in your workspace, whether it's in your own little unit or whether whether it's in the broader the municipality or bigger organization, you must influence where you can in your space every day. Whether you're speaking to one woman or a group of women or a group of males and females in your work environment, always remember that and people know me for that if i hear something that alludes to sexism and um, that is subtly attacking women i will i will call people out or i will comment on it mm. so why must women be called beautiful i don't come into a room and say good day i some to a male but if a woman b- walks in a room they say good morning beautiful good morning gorgeous but women don't do that why must men do that we are gorgeous we are beautiful we don't need men to tell us that so so that type of thing it's so subtle mm. but society has accepted it all the time that you can yeah so there's a lot of unlearning for men as well to do because sometimes men can be sincerely wrong Yes, you're right. Uh, Maybe they are unaware. So that's why I say it's up to us as women to highlight that. It's innate. um, I won't say it's in the culture, but it's it's that that is how they've always operated. Mm. So um, I can forgive them for that, but I cannot forgive women and maybe other men, and I'm sure there are men, that stand up. Um, when they hear such such sexism uh, um, statements being made or criticism against women or just the way women are handled Hmm. in a corporate environment. You just touched on the sexism side, but racism? Have you you experienced racism in the workplace? Of course, of course I experienced racism. But what I said earlier, I've experienced more sexism than racism. Final question, you know, as a, as a mother, as a professional, uh, as a friend, as a daughter, how have you kept your sanity? W- what have you done, you know, to maintain this balance? Because like you said, women have got it almost double. You face racism in the workplace and sexism. 
and the other demands of society. What is your advice to other women and what have you have done to keep your sanity? You know, women carry what we call this hidden load. When my children are at school, I've got a full-time job. I also have to manage the school program, make sure they have sports or extramural activities, they are ready for it, lunch boxes are packed, be at the, but I've got a, a husband that was equally supportive, both, we are both professionals, but women carry this hidden load. They are just the organizer of the family, the manager of the family in general. So, and also that extends to not just your nucleus family, your extended family, your siblings, your parents, grandparents. So, I enjoyed that thoroughly. And my approach was, there's two things, it's almost like I compartmentalize sometimes. So, I was, I started working in 94. And in 98, I was already in an executive position, a director in a private company. I was there and a shareholder. And then when I moved to public service after 13 years in private sector, I was also senior manager. So for 25 of my 29 years of working experience, I was in an executive position. So how do you balance that through that? I had a family, family life, children, and I almost compartmentalize sometimes. I then isolate and prioritize. Then I would say, okay, my work is between eight and five, and then five to seven is peak hour at home with the children and homework and bath time and family time. And then sometimes you um, have to work after hours and then you work seven to nine, and then you have your private time with your spouse. So I almost add that, I compartmentalize, and then I prioritize. I know I have to deal with, and then you study in between. So I've always been studying short courses or, so you do, and the, you do all of that, and you make sure that the time slot you allocate you do a thorough and a good job mm. because you have to move to the next one. You can't come back to this. So that's how I dealt with it. Uh, I always made sure that, and my work environment actually enabled me to also support my children in the extramural activities. And one way that I did it to become involved is to serve on both my children's high school's governing body. And in that way, I knew what's happening at the school. I, you know, had maybe a prime position at school events. And I could then in that way also be involved. I was also, well, I'm still serving as a lay minister in the Anglican Church. So I'm also very much involved in my local community. And what I bring into that um, leadership position and I served in the parish council, church warden in the parish, is you bring in all your leadership, HR, finance skills through all your different work roles you bring into those um, non-work organizations and that way you, and you also learn. I also learned from the school governing body extensively. I also learned from church council and other community organizations that I was involved in. But you also feed back 
into the community and again the role of the women community organizations um, outreach programs even economic development and job creation opportunities the females in the communities played a dominant role somehow when you do interact with the communities on the ground the females play that role that that linkage um, with the organization and the communities so I I had to I, I I just I get bored if I just do one thing. Mm. I can't follow a linear process. Um, even one process or one action or one deliverable is interactive or iterative. And I I like to use my skills to to support and and assist others. But I also at any opportunity I get also want to interact with organizations with people where I can also learn and can add to my body of knowledge and we have time to run i believe yes 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 i am a an aspiring okay. half marathon runner okay. <laughs> <laughs> i enjoy it very much i'm definitely a group exercise person you get into those buses and you so run. so so we've got a training um program twice a week um Total Sports Varsity Old Boys um, Athletics Club, Running Club. And we train twice a week. Incidentally, I'm in the slowest, now the second slowest group I advance from the slowest to okay. the next level. But we are all women. But we keep going. We keep going and we and through rain and in the darkness with headlights we run. And we chat about the matric dance and biking and different things while we're running mm-hmm. and and that's for me it's exercising socializing again learning interacting so so that is my that is that keeps me sane that i need to exercise so it's mm-hmm. not just your your mental exercise because that i get enough stimulation to exercise my brain but you also have to be physically um, healthy So that's cardio, that's running, and I do Pilates, which is a bit of relaxation, stretching, strength, because if you're over 50, you need to ensure that you maintain your level of mobility okay. and flexibility. So listening to you, I'm already tired. I mean, how you've managed to juggle all these roles is just, is just unbelievable. The last question, you know, if there's a song that must, that must summarize your life, what, what song would that be? There's a song, I just want to live my life. I just want to be myself. Mm. So there, that's a song. Please don't need me. Don't need me in this session on a bad note. But thank that's you. That's really figurative. Now I'm not a singer. Okay, so we'll play out with that one. Uh, I just want to live my life. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time and popping in and sharing your experience with us. Uh, I've learned a lot. I've got more respect for women in leadership positions and. Uh, and the role that they play as wife, as a mother, as professional, it's a lot to juggle. Somebody said the other day, it's a good thing that men didn't bear children because they simply <laughs> wouldn't have survived. So only respect for you and thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much, Arlen. I just want to close off. For me, it's important as a mother that I'm a good role model for my children and that they can see that Although I am involved in so many things that they, my, my spouse and my children, 
my core family, they are still my main priority. And and that is that is important to me as a family person that I display such a an image, I would say an image to my children that I'm reliable, that I serve my community, but I'm there for them as my family. So I don't want to walk away from this conversation. People think I'm all over. I, my core is my family and everything else interacts around that. But I want to be that example and role model to my children so that I also want them to go and serve communities. They are privileged. I want them to go out, use that privilege to serve the community. Thank you very Thank much. You. To the amazing and talented Great Governance Team, The Voice, Mpumilani, and producer Al Ontum, respect and love. Keep the faith and let's work to make South Africa great, right where we are. If you loved what you heard, subscribe to our Great Governance podcast that is available free on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And of course, also on our HRD Governance Facebook page. And don't forget to tell a friend to tell a friend about us. Listen to learn.